I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, I'm a, a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It's December already. Oh my gosh, this is totally my favorite month. Now we have to share some fun traditions for this time of year. And we're going to talk about something that affects each of us and what we're going to do about it. Stick around to find out what that is. Let's rock it. The first day of December and the first episode of The Real Brian Show here in December. Thanks for joining us. It is The Real Brian and with me today. Miss Ice, what up, y'all? Welcome back. Thanks, man. It's been so long and I feel like, you know, it was overdue, but... It was actually a couple weeks ago. Really? Maybe not long enough. Oh, wow. It feels like so much longer. <laughs> just Actually, kidding. I agree. It's it's so good to have you yeah. back because people yeah, are like, "Holy crap!" It's the Miss Ice, the Miss Ice, the Miss Ice, and it like makes the show better. And without Aww. the Miss Ice, uh, you know, people just cry constantly. Well, I don't know. That's what they told me. I don't know if that's actually true. If that's they're horrible, I know. Well, we can't be having any of that around here. Well, so no crying. Wipe the tears away, Miss Ice. Wipe is back. them away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and joining us today is yes. our great dear friend. <laughs> CJ Thunder is back. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back. So good to have Carl here. CJ Thunderman, how are you doing? I'm good. I'll, I always say um, there's an episode that Emily's on. Put that episode on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> oh, it's not you guys just, are too kind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, how's my everybody? gosh. How are you doing? Well, I'm great. Miss Ice. I'm great. Yeah. Good. I mean, coming off Thanksgiving week. You know, it's it's a it's a good week. Good. Christmas music is on the radio again. <sighs> it's actually the appropriate time for a pun- pumpkin spice latte. That's kind of over now. It's now it's peppermint mocha time or peppermint hot chocolate. That's what, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, peppermint. I don't actually get anything other than plain black coffee. So you know, I I just pretend like I like these things and just to fit in because you know. No, be I, yourself. Like, be like, you know no, what? I'm a black no, I, coffee I, I, drinker constantly. Nothing else. Period. It's Christmas and I don't care. I have to be myself. You know what's you want to know what's good in black coffee though? Hmm. Eggnog. Oh yeah, just <laughs> dump it in, baby. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? Yeah, it's so good. Oh, okay. There's this local dairy here that I think has the best eggnog. I mean, I'm, and I know I'm a little biased, but still, I've not found a better eggnog. And it's like rich, thick, and I just pour it in my black coffee once in a. I mean, I don't drink it very often. It's like one of those things where you buy. You got to drink it quickly because it goes bad because there's no preservatives in it. And then you don't drink it again for, you know, three weeks. And then you drink it again at Christmas. And, you know, the eggnog cows go into hibernation for the rest of the year. I'm not entirely make- sure that I've ever had eggnog. All right, wait, what? Really? What? I mean, it's not something that my family does. So I, I haven't been exposed to it through family. I'm just trying to think of what it tastes like and I'm not placing it. Oh, my gosh. This is Does a it taste like eggs? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to give it a shot before the end of the year. Before the end okay. of your life, at least. Well, you've when, got a long you time, go, so you're good. Can you order like authentic or not authentic, but like good quality eggnog from a coffee shop? Like, is that what they do? It depends. They, you have to kind of look because if they've got like, I don't know, Sinton or whatever the heck some of those, you know, corporate brands are, then no, it's probably it's not going to be that good. I mean, some people like the cheap tasting eggnog, but eh. When you say cheap tasting, is that like the stuff you buy? Because I've I've seen it in cartons, like they sell milk. Yeah, like if it's got skim milk in it, no. I mean, you okay? Now, granted, Sarah likes the alternative milks, so she found like a hemp milk eggnog or a flax milk, and that stuff's actually really good. But it's it's totally different. Okay, you know what? You have to try the bad stuff first, so you know what the good stuff. <laughs> That's is true. Like. Is that how this goes? Well, or, or you're gonna have- hate it. Oh, what? That like doesn't I've, make any I've sense. had people that drink eggnog. I hate it. Well, what have you had? And they tell me they've had all these cheap eggnogs. And I'm like, well, I hate that stuff too. Oh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I it, thought you were saying the opposite. It's like drinking to... Maxwell House and hoping that you're going to like better coffee somewhere else. <sighs> that's so Sorry, true. bad kitty, but that's just the truth, man. He's not here to respond. So Maxwell suck on that. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to make it up to your area one day, Brian, just to check out all the awesome restaurants you have up there. I can personally vouch for Fort Collins and say that you have to visit this place before you die because yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, that's gonna happen way before I die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you come out in the next, like, Perfectly I don't know, enough. couple of weeks, we can all drink eggnog together. Here, here. Who's who's coming out? <laughs> party in Fort Collins, y'all. Oh, speaking of uh, party, happy, you know, a couple days late birthday, Miss Ice. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Birthday? birthday? I didn't know that. Tuesday of this yeah. week. Can you believe that? Yep. I, I really can't. Wow. So uh, what oh. did you do? Anything fun? Are you celebrating all week? Did you celebrate all month? <laughs> I worked from home and then I went to Bible study and then I went home. So it was a very fun day. Okay. Did you even eat anything fun? I mean, are, are like going out and you had black coffee? Did you? Well, did you I mean, put my, any sugar I, I celebrated it? with my family on Sunday. So, oh, good. I, okay. Well, I had, did you I get anything the fun? That I, needed. I did. Yeah. I got a diffuser with all of these essential <sighs> oils. That's fun. And it's been something that my mom has been, or my mom and my aunt have kind of gotten into this whole diffuser thing. And mm-hmm. I, you, you walk into their house now and you can just smell something different, you know? So and nice. I've been having like, really weird vivid dreams in the last couple months that have been kind of unsettling Mm. and everybody's telling me that i need to like use essential oils and i have no idea what they're talking about you know they tell me (laughs) to use this but i'm like okay tell me what to do and i'll do it yeah heroin (laughs) like heroin yeah just but yeah so we we had uh, there have been a couple people who have given me a little bit more insight into that but then there's also like specific scents you use for different kinds of Moods. moods that you're aiming for yep. yeah like yep. if you're super stressed or i i have to read the back of the bottles i haven't memorized them all yet but <laughs> so yeah so essential oils nice. definitely have to get some jasmine oil jasmine okay it's expensive it's, it's amazing yeah amazing. definitely worth there's one that's called like lang lang and it's spelled like y-l-a-n-g mm-hmm. that I like was one healing healing <laughs> yeah that one smells almost it's beautiful smell yeah. yeah so surprise surprise being a type seven on the enneagram of course i know about essential oils it's just oh, one of my other stupid <laughs> fascinations which oh, we've never perfect because then you can tell me what to do we've never talked about it on the show which is really funny because i was going to bring it up like i don't know a couple months ago but i thought for example one of the best scents that i like this time of year is a mixture of cinnamon bark clove and orange oils which smells cinnamon like Christmas cinnamon, comma bark, cinnamon, bar- cinnamon, bar- cinnamon, bar- cinnamon, bark, cinnamon, bark, like no comma bark. So you can get okay. cinnamon from the bark or from the leaf extract and the leaf does not smell the same. You definitely want the bark. That's the traditional like Christmassy cinnamon smell. Okay. But that's what I go after, you know, and then, oh man. Yeah. The healing, healing. I've heard vetiver is great for stress. You put it on the bottom of your feet, which is really weird. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing that, that is so interesting about these essential oils is that it's not just the scent you use, but where you put the scent. Well, speaking of heroin, uh, even though I was totally joking about that, apparently you used to, was that heroin, I guess, where you're injected in between your big toe and your your, toes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, apparently the absorption in that area is extremely fast and also very efficient. So that's why they say to put essential oils on the bottom of your feet. That makes sense. Yeah. I've tried a bunch of them. Lavender's amazing. Oh, I thought you said you tried a bunch of different heroin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, different I've grades. I tried a bunch of different um, brands of heroin. Well, you know, it's legal in Colorado now, right? Did you know that? Oh, for real. <laughs> you guys are so like loose. Oh, you have such loose morals. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> for the record, uh, and I'm actually not kidding about this. I've never tried drugs, so I I don't know anything about heroin other than you inject you it. You haven't smoked a cigarette? No, I never have. Really? Can you believe that? It's amazing. Yeah. How have you made it? Well, I've done it for 49 years. Wait, how old are you? <laughs> 49. <laughs> Every time you get on the show, I'm, I'm older, a lot older. That's, that's how it goes. Every time I get older, you get older. So it's just, <laughs> yeah, but you keep amplifying my age by like exponential numbers here. Eventually I'm going to be like, man, you know, 249 years you've been living. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Highlander. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> Carl. And Carl, meanwhile, is like 15 you stay young, man. You're, don't you? You're only 15, Carl. Wow. I, you know, I'm pretty big for a 15 year old. I think. Yeah. yeah. You have a very mature voice for a 15 year old. <laughs> no, I think I'm the youngest here, though. I just turned 18. 18. <laughs> wow. I, I'm barely legal right now. Emily just hit 50. Yeah. So yeah. Just hit, you know, sometimes I feel like it. 
Maybe well, these essential oils will help me feel younger. You're going to feel like you're 12 after that. Woo-hoo! Actually, that's probably not a good idea. How about you feel like you're 25? Is that a better age? Mm-hmm. No, I'm actually wants to go back to 12. I'm, st- I'm still 29, actually, because that's the last age that you claim to be once oh, you hit it. Oh, well, you know, then, me too, then. We're all 29 here. Yeah. <laughs> that you, works for me. Have you even hit 29 yet? Here, which is nice. So I'll go back to 29 anytime. <laughs> all right. We're all 29 again. I love it. <laughs> I have a friend who loved birthdays so much. And I think we've talked about this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's worth repeating. And he was just like, you know what? Celebrating a birthday is a reminder that we're here, that each of us is here on this earth for a purpose, for a greater purpose. You know, we're a blessing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he used to just love celebrating people's birthdays, no matter how old people got. And people were like, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. I'm too old now. You know, I just want to forget yeah. that I even am aging. And he'd be like, doesn't matter, man. Celebrate, have joy. It was, it was really such a great attitude. That is a great attitude. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who, who use their birthdays to do things for their parents, which I think is really cool use of that because, you know, it's like, it's not like you can really take credit for your own birthday. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) so like being able to honor your parents or like buy flowers for your mom or do something special for them, you know, just to be thankful for the life that they've given you and raising you and providing for you. That's a nice uh, perspective. I always want to do that. And then I'm like, just give me cool stuff. Yeah. I just <laughs> want <kidding>. presents. <laughs> I just want presents. Uh, 36. Last well, year there was 37. <laughs> but this year they're bigger. Oh, you're you're reading the books. <laughs> or <laughs> listening to them. Well, yes. I actually am having Alexa read to me. Really? That seems so not interesting. Do you need these, these audiobooks? I no. I, yeah, I guess so. Because you can just ask and it will be given unto you. May I have them, please? Sure. All oh. right. Yes. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I would love the audiobooks. Carl, have you read the books or listened to them? The Harry yeah, Potter books? I spend so much time in the cars. I get through audiobooks in a couple of days most of the time. So, yeah. yeah your commute is crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's like nine uh, hours a morning. You know, my, my office is a 60 mile round trip, and that's just my office. Ugh. 16 so, miles? 60. 60. Yes. Six, wow. zero. Six zero. Six zero. And of course, in your traffic, what is that? Three, four hours? It's about 45 minutes in the morning. But uh, if you're in that rush hour traffic, uh, it could be the hour or two. Oh, okay. Sometimes Caltrans decides to clean their freeway in the middle of the day like yeah. they normally do. That adds another two hours to the drive. I was there for an extended weekend. And even that was just like, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> it's uh, I thought I was complaining when I had to commute 20 miles. I can't imagine 60. You tend to get used to it. You're so used to it that it's almost normal. When it frees up, you're just like, so what's, am I going to work on a Saturday? What's going on here? <laughs> it's nice. I get, you know, I catch up on my reading, well, my listening, I guess, but there's some really good books I've been able to listen to because of all the traffic I have to sit in. That's a really good point and a really good approach. Yes. If you, if you could really own it the way that you've owned it, I think I, I wouldn't mind. I think the problem for me is that it should only ever take like a half an hour. And when it takes more than that, I just get furious. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a waste of my time. And then she turns Time green. is money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you would be. You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> you'd be or angry. All, you'd be in constant hoax status out here if you were living here. <sighs> I, I can imagine. I'd probably be working from home quite a bit. That's, you know, yeah. the traffic in, uh, in Northern Colorado has gotten a little ridiculous because we don't have the, the uh, capacity. Is that the right word? The circuit capacity for it? You know, because everybody from California is moving here. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm still here. So it's not everyone. Well, you should. I mean, of all Californians, it's like, why hasn't CJ Thunder moved? I mean, that's, that's the one dude I want to move here. You guys have Comcast out there. I don't like Comcast. They're going to actually do a citywide broadband because we approved it. Wow. So then you won't even need Comcast. So we were trying to pass this broadband thing and Comcast spent like at least $200,000 to try to sway people away from approving it by promoting lies. All lies. Yeah. See that I have a real problem with. It's one thing to be like, Hey, we don't want you to do that because you're, you know, we're going to lose business and let's, you know, explain to you a few things like we might lose. People may lose their jobs. You know, if you want to speak the truth, go for it. You know, I don't care if you oppose somebody. But they were saying, like, if you, you know, if you approve broadband, then they're not going to repair potholes on the road, which was like not even not even remotely true, for example. And it's just like, guys, 
spreading lies because you're a greedy corporate business. Not cool. So I can see why you don't like them. You know, I'm in the industry, so I see it all the time and it just, it, it furiates me and I, there's nothing I could do about it. Yeah. That's what corporations have done to our society though. But that's what people they, are now starting to uh, like, they're, they're letting it happen and they're becoming that as well. Oh yeah. No. And, and we start feeding off of it and feeding into it. Just a vicious cycle. I've been experiencing and I've been trying to really fight against this because this is really hard, but lately I've been experiencing a lot of entitlement when I'm out in public. The level of entitlement has raised significantly even over the last few months. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people just doing things that it's like, one, you're not supposed to do that Two, um, you know, this person was here before you sort of thing, whatever. And they're just boom, get out of my way. I'm doing what I want because I can. And my response is, you know, kind of like you were talking about Emily, the you wouldn't like me when I'm angry <laughs> response, which is not OK. But I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, what do you do about it? Why? Well, because I mean, really, we. I was talking to Sarah about this and I said, you know, if I acted like them, that I would do whatever the frack I want, when I want, how I want. And I'm one of those people that will bowl people over because I have a strong personality. So I can either really do great things with my personality or I can really hurt a lot of people. And it wouldn't be intentional because I would be focused on me. That's not okay. Why are other people doing it? What do we do about it? I know this is not our topic today, but I don't know. I've been really (laughs) struggling with it because I'm like, oh my gosh, what is with people? Well, it might as well be our topic because what we wanted to talk about today is a lot about commitments that we make to people and to things. And and it kind of all gets wrapped up in, in the same general bucket, you know, where you have a responsibility for something where your sense of entitlement comes from is is like is built on this tower of past experiences you know when when you battle with someone when you debate with someone you're not just battling their immediate consciousness you're talking to 20 plus years of compounded experience from their personal life you know mm-hmm. and and it's it's deeply ingrained idealisms and pain that they've endured from places that are people or circumstances that have done them wrong mm-hmm. and it, it all contributes i mean it's it all ends up being the same thing, you know, same root cause almost. Yeah. I've seen a real interesting lack of commitment and I'm even going to put intentionality along with that because I know commitment can be a very scary word for some people and it's not like, oh my gosh, you're committed for life sort of commitment thing too. But it's like saying, you know, Hey, like I'm, I'm going to show up to work, you know, on time sort of commitment. And then you don't. Uh, But again, it's like back to the idea of intentionality. Uh, But I've seen that a lot in the personal world and the professional world as well, where it has, been again getting significantly worse in the last few years where people are just over committing to things because either one they just kind of don't know how to say no to stuff or mm-hmm. whatever and then they just never show up or they always back out there's always an excuse and they just leave people hanging left and right in my field uh, i see this a lot especially dealing with salespeople. um they'll set up meetings and appointments and from what i see is they'll set up these meetings and these appointments and they're late to them 30 minutes and they don't tell anyone. So the way I see it and it happens all the time is they only their own time. Anyone else's time does not matter to them. It's not as important if important at all. And this is a constant issue we deal with like on a daily basis. There's always something going on where, you know, let's set up a meeting and then you're late to the meeting and it makes us just, it makes us all look bad. You know, seems like you get hit with that a lot more in sales than probably anywhere else. Would that be true? Yeah. And the thing with it, it, that's probably very true, but it seems like those people kind of gravitate towards sales. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming those same people that are doing it within their jobs are people that do it all the time in general, outside of the work, just with anyone. And sales, yeah, you definitely see a lot of this kind of behavior and it's just, it's just part of the, the industry, I guess. Are you is seeing there, it more there, with oh. like generations and ages or anything, or is it just all over the board? It's all over the board. Okay. Is it part of your training at all? Not like be flaky when you make meetings, but more like when when you're training to be a sales person, is there some sort of mentality that goes into make as many of these appointments as possible, whether or not you can actually attend them? Like, is it is it about quantity versus quality in some cases? I wouldn't say quantity. It's more. Yeah, I would say quantity. Uh, it's never said that way, but it's 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 given that way, meaning implied uh, or companies always want you to hit a certain quota. Right. So if you have right. to run through different customers just to hit that quota, that's what you're going to do. So 
these rules that are set up for salespeople make them almost fail this way. That's super interesting because I feel like we have that same unwritten rule in society where if you don't have something going on, like if you don't have regular things to do, you're not keeping up with the Joneses. The badge right. of honor of being busy? Yeah. Oh, right. Geez. And it's not for, not everyone thinks that way. We more often than not subconsciously adhere to that principle without really realizing what we're doing. Like it's the social norm to just, just to say yes. And if you can make it awesome, but it's not like your, your yes isn't like a binding yes. It's a, it's a colloquial yes, (laughs) where, where it means, yes, I'll come if I can, if I can. Or if I don't have a better offer. Yeah. (laughs) Which you'll never up. Yeah. Right. Right. And, but that, but it's kind of just like an unwritten rule. Yeah. Would you, would you say that? That's exactly correct. Uh, you, you know, it. that's exactly what it is. It's so funny. Like, you know, we buy movie tickets here where you can reserve your seats. And I love that because it's like, Hey, we're going to the movie next week, you know, and we're all going to get seats together. And, and most of the time people commit to that. But a lot of times people will say, well, I don't know. You know, I can't buy that. I, I'm just going to have to buy it the night of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't know if they're actually going to come until the night of because they might have a better offer. When it happens over and over and over, that's that is definitely one thing. I I mean, I we can all attest to being in those situations where you know that there's something going to be happening later in the week and you just people aren't making decisions. And so you can't solidify any plans. And so when somebody else asks you to do something, you're like, I don't know yet. Can I let you know, you know, so like we, we've all been in those situations where people just aren't making decisions so that you can make other plans or, you know, in conjunction with what you want to do with them. But there is like a perpetual behavior of of making tentative plans in succession with one another without really ever committing to anything. I heard something fantastic today of all things. It was so funny how it tied into this. Uh, coming from the standpoint of business, you know, when you're creating goals for your business for the next year, since we're coming to the end of the year and stuff like that. Um, but she was also talking about personal goals as well. And she said, why don't we create anti goals? And it was this idea of we have a tendency to essentially commit to things that we really don't want to commit to in the first place. Like you were even saying a definite yes. It's that colloquial less. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it work or sure that works. But then you have every intention of backing out on it because you didn't really want to do it in the first place. Um, you just and, didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah, but you event you will. I mean, by by backing out, you will hurt their feelings. So one way or the right, other, which you know, the irony of it all. Right. I know. And I like how she she put it in the sense that the quote was. You'll never, and it's the double negative stuff. I don't like these. You'll never have time to do the things that you never wanted to do in the first place. You'll never have time to do the things that you never wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. I.e., you'll always back out. You'll always find an excuse. You'll never get around to it because you never wanted to do it, right? You committed to something that you didn't want to do in the first place, so you'll find a way to get out of it, which means you'll never have time for it. Right. So... And this is so funny because it's like people like, oh, back in the day kind of crap. And it's like, you know, I'm talking maybe a few years ago. You ask somebody a question. Do you want to get together and go to a movie? Do you want to join this group? Do you want to volunteer for this? Do you want to work here? People typically would be able to say, let me think about that. If it wasn't an immediate decision and they would come back with a heck yes or a heck no. It was not a I don't know quest. It was a heck yes. I will do this or a heck no. It's not for me. Nowadays, I'm people are just saying, oh, yeah, sure. And then they back out or they never show up. And it's just kind of like, well, hold on a second here. Shouldn't we stop committing to the things that we really don't want to do in the first place? There's so much to do. There's so many good things to do, but we only have so much time to do the right things. That's just my thought. Wouldn't we be so less stressed and we'd let people down so much less if we did it that way? (laughs) Okay. Question for you guys in that vein then. Is this a product of our generation of technology addicted technology addiction or is it a product of Moore's law where, you know, like as I mean, it, it's referring to technology as technology just exponentially increases with each generation. But in the vein of society where every generation will have exponentially more opportunities to participate in the world, basically, mm-hmm. is it a product of technology or is it a product of society's opportunities or maybe a, a combination of the two. Well, I think it's actually those two things, but plus 
Yeah. So like with technology and opportunities, there's a lot of quote bright, shiny objects. There's a lot of, there's, you know, I, I, I can do so many, you know, we were just talking about this with TV shows 10 years ago, you had certain TV shows and certain movies. And nowadays we have more, gosh, more selection than we've ever imagined. And mm-hmm. so it's like, well, if I don't like that show in the first one to three episodes and I stop watching and go to something else, but you know, 10 years ago, you didn't have a whole lot to go to. So I think there's that. I don't know what is causing that, but something is causing us to just be less intentional and committed to things and to one another. You have people set in their ways with the way they want to perform uh, and then they have technology help them. With that. Like, for instance, it's if you're all at a, if you're all at a table eating uh, dinner and you have these you have people on phones, right? They're not concerned about the people in front of them. They're in their virtual worlds. And that's. I guess that's what's doing it for them. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, why not? My life is based around technology. That's what I do all day and all night. But when I'm at home, I know I could turn it off. I have no problems turning it off, but I don't, I think this is more of an issue for, for people that have problems turning it off when they need to. Um, they say that the light emitted from our technology is addicting, oh, literally really? addicting. Wow. The, the blue wave that causes cortisol. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And like to the point where they've started putting blue light filters on phones now, the the technology that we're exposed to has made us has made us a me generation. There are commercials right now about the new iPhone that are only about taking selfies. Yes. You I know? saw that. And it's like and that is exactly what this generation has become. It's been like, "Oh, I wonder if I can take a good selfie this morning before breakfast." Our parents' generation, you know, when they were growing up, they did not have that. They did not have that that immediate access to make yourself so public. Right. And and even if you only have like the same twenty five hundred people who who look at your Instagram photos every day, that's still that's still your people. That's still your audience, you know. And you're still there, or you're their center of attention. There's this weird perceived glamour or attention that we're getting that feeds that part of the brain that really should be being fed by good works. The funny thing is like I, I was reading an article not long ago about a study done on people uh, doing charitable giving and trying to determine whether or not they were altruists or egoists in their giving, you know, because they were putting people through a series of tests, verbal tests while they were in a functional MRI. So they could monitor the parts of their brains mm. that were activated. Yeah. And they found that the same pleasure centers of the brain that are activated when somebody gives without condition altruistically, mm-hmm. <laughs> the same pleasure centers of their brain are the same ones that are activated when you're like on a drug high. Mm. People are three or four times more likely to continue giving when they experience that moment of altruism when they've given self there it is selflessly <laughs> yeah. when they've given selflessly than when they're giving in order to be a particular person for other people because that feeling fades when people no longer give you attention for something good that you've done that feeling or the desire to do that again fades because you can't ever meet that same feeling that you get that first time you feel it yeah right it's a it's a dopamine hit right exactly so the only way to really activate those centers is to be altruistic in your giving and only do it because you know it's the right thing to do you know who you're helping and thinking about those people that you're helping is what fuels you you to keep going. And then it's not an, an addiction. It's a habit is a better word for it then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something that you have built into yourself in order to to better the world around you instead of bettering yourself. And, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I see that everywhere when when you see people giving or contributing to society in, in ways that that really benefit the world around them, they become such a different person. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like oh, yeah. you, you yeah, think yeah. about that person in your life like that. Yeah. No, you are, you are exactly right about that. This is just kind of a side comment, but take church, for example, when they do the offering. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not even like the standard offering, but it's like any kind of offering, you know, somebody gets up and maybe they're a missionary or something and they come and they speak and they're just like, Hey, you know, we're going to give an offering for this missionary. And sometimes, you you know, you feel compelled, like, I want to give to this person. This person seems really cool. Or, you know, they seem like they're doing something great. I want to help this person out. And other times you're like, yeah, you know, I, I'd rather give my money to something else that I know, I you know, that can make a difference. I don't know this enough. Mm-hmm. But you still feel guilted into it, for example. And you're like, oh, maybe I should do it anyway. 
And I feel like there are a number of things that happen with this because first of all, I think that, you know, you have to take like your self-care and your personal needs as a factor, right? Uh, And this is something I've gone through even recently. If I'm not taking care of myself, I mean, you guys know this. I've had personal conversations with both of you guys about this one, but if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not sleeping and I'm not eating correctly or whatever, it will affect me negatively, right? And with that comes a lack of boundaries, saying yes to everything, trying to, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm trying to do too many business opportunities because I'm desperate to try to make something work. I'm trying to make some money because I got to pay the bills and I get desperate. But on the other hand, I'm going, man, I just want to give, you know, to the world around me and I want to make a difference. And, you know, that's why I started the Real Brian show. I want to make a difference. I want to encourage people. I want to empower people. There's so much I want to do with the show. But if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not making the money I need to make to pay my bills, then is that ever really genuine? For example. And then on the other hand, there's the side where when you are giving to people and it's it's so hard to say because like there was a time where I was performing, wouldn't say it was an addiction, but it, I, I could see it where it was that, that high, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. man, this is exciting. This is so much fun, but I knew that I was impacting people, but I still got something out of it. But what meant more to me was to develop relationships from those people who would come up and say something. And then I would pers- I wouldn't just be like, Oh, that's cool. Thanks. I'd be like, yeah, let me get to know you a little bit. And then I'd build relationships with these people. And then I have an opportunity to somehow impact their life, hopefully in a positive way. Right. Mm-hmm. Not always, but that was so much more meaningful to me, which I mean, you know, you develop a relationship that requires some level of commitment and intentionality, which goes back to our whole point versus the whole, you know, look how awesome I am. Some people are blessed by it. And then you walk away. Does that make any sense? I was trying to share some personal examples, but I don't know. I was all over the place too. (laughs) (laughs) But I think those all tie in. I think those are all factors that, you know, if you don't have your personal needs met, you really are going to have a hard time. I think looking beyond yourself. To be fair, like tithing is in a whole different realm of conversation. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a very different discipline and and like we're we're told in scripture that if if we give selflessly we will be taken care of and and but we're not promised anything in this life you know we, you and I come from a faith background where we know that there is going to be hardship in this life and and it is actually like a mark of someone who is committed to their belief system that they suffer for what they believe. And that's, it's kind of the way that the world works in, in ways is like when you really believe in something, when you totally commit yourself to something, you are going to suffer for it. And, and I think that we take that too much to one side where we end up having this extremely terrible imbalance of thinking that we have to be sacrificial in order to be healthy. But then there's like this, the divide, like you were talking about being able to, take care of yourself and then, but also do these things in conjunction. And, and as a, as a people group, human beings are terrible at finding balance Oh my gosh! because (laughs) we, we, we find things way too pleasurable or way too painful. And we stay away to one or we stay away from one and then do too much of the other. And so there's no, there's no understanding that pain is a part of life and that suffering is a part of life and that you have to learn how to stand up against the bullies and you have to stand up against adversity while still going after the things that you want. It produces this me generation of people who are entitled to think I, I shouldn't have to deal with that because I live in the 21st century where I have technology at my fingertips and everybody agrees with everything I say. And those people who don't hide under a rock. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like Sarah, you know, has been on the hiring committee for various people recently and uh-huh. she'll get these people coming in okay, you're, 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 you're interviewing for a job, right? They own you if you want the job. That's just the way it works. And these people are coming in and saying, well, you know, my schedule's kind of busy and I don't know if that's going to work with me. And so I don't know, but here are some options that work for me. Yeah. And they're like, uh, we're interviewing you. If you can't meet our times, then goodbye. Yeah. This is when we need you. This is what the job is. Yeah. But are they coming and they say, well, I don't know. That doesn't really fit with my, my personal lifestyle. And I'm not kidding. Uh, like the stuff that she has heard. And this has only been within the last couple of years. She's just like, wait, are we serious people? This is yeah. not about you. This is about our company. We're paying you. You're going to do what we tell you to. And if you don't like it, then buy. But yeah, man, that's, it's been, that's very common. That's very common. Oh, these people need to be smacked. It's I one of the biggest. The yeah. 
it's one of the biggest criticisms of millennials and there there are a lot of things that millennials do well and i'm i'm not taking that away from them well you are a millennial you know <laughs> i am a millennial but yeah. i'm not like a traditional millennial because yeah. i grew up in a house that really didn't watch television and as a result i i participated in most of the same things that my parents generation grew up doing mm-hmm. you know so like i i was raised as a uh, what it, what was the previous generation generation x yeah. i think is the one that comes before me that's my gen that's your gen okay yeah. i'm just like and, a couple years out so, of millennial though yeah. so i kind of relate to both right and the, yeah so i just i just don't identify with millennials as much as i identify with generation x Sure. but to the point May, and Carl, maybe if you have you been involved in a lot of hiring at your company? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's a distinction between the younger generation coming in for an interview and everyone else, right? Oh, yeah. It's clear. <laughs> it's very clear. So this happened two different times. I, I had a, a lady apply for a job. She basically stated, you know, I can't do it at one o'clock, but can you be can you be there at 530? Uh I'll be willing to meet you at 5.30. So I'm like, you know, I'll do this for you. 5.30. 6 o'clock comes, 6.30, 6.45, 7 o'clock, no call, no show. And then she applies again and then gets (laughs) mad at me that I didn't offer her a second time to interview. My goodness. She was 25. Yeah. Do you find yourself in in a surplus of candidates right now? More Mm -hmm. candidates than positions open? Not not lately. I mean. Really? um, We get our candidates filtered really heavily by HR. Uh-huh. So I only see what they re- what they think is is someone I would be interested in, but sure. I don't I don't see I don't see a lot of them for for the positions that I work with. I, I just okay. don't. Yeah, it's better than the alternative where you just like have this <laughs> cycling pool of candidates that are just like this. But mm. luckily, with my position or the positions I work with, um, we're we work with sales, but we're not sales, so we don't have the turnover that sales does. Okay. Yeah, right engineering that works on sales. That 25 year old girl you were just talking about, maybe she was never taught any kind of common sense when it comes to this kind of thing. Maybe she literally had no clue that if you're interviewing for a job, you kind of, you show up, you go to the time they can go, you know, whatever. It's like, I, maybe she was just never taught that. Well, let's yeah. just, so let's forget about the common sense part. What about just respect of just calling someone and say, look, I can't make it or I'm going to be a little late, but just no call and no show. That's not, that's not good. That almost seems like you just don't care at that point. Which goes back to the intentionality thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you tell her, did you give her feedback on why you weren't offering her a second interview? I did. I spoke to her on the phone and I said, this is the reason Uh, I waited. We, we discussed the new time that you wanted to meet with me and you never showed up. You didn't call. you You didn't return my call to let me know what was going on. I just, I waited for two hours for you, basically. Okay. Well, how did she respond to that? <laughs> she says, I know, I know. I'm really sorry, but some <laughs> things came up at work. I'm like, yeah, I understand you're with another telecom. This always happens, but you have to plan your schedule better. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <can't> tell- <laughs> That's super important, though. Yeah. yeah. Cluing people into what they did wrong, whether or not they hear it. As a society, we need to be bolder about just being honest with these things, but also... Yeah not being disrespectful while we're saying them. I think that was so appropriate the way that you handled that. Totally. Yeah, That's exactly what people need. Yeah. I try yeah. to be straightforward and not rude. Sometimes yeah. it comes off as rude because I'm a little, people think I'm a little arrogant. So it comes off as rude sometimes, but okay. it's just straightforward. I think. Yeah. Well, I feel like those, those sorts of things never come across well over an email or something or over like a text message. But if you can, if you can verbally say those things to people, they'll he'll hear the tone of your voice and understand more so from context. But now she's on a blacklist, so she can't get hired with us now. Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she'll learn down the road. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize we were blacklist. It's awful, I know. Okay, so I have a question for you, Miss Ice. Okay. So you've been doing the Made of Steel podcast, but it's about Supergirl. CJ Thunder and I have had some conversations about Supergirl recently. I've had to stop watching. Uh, so Miss Ice, I know you've struggled with the show. You know, there have been some things in the show that have been not so fun and some negative and some other, you know, whatever. But yet you've remained committed to Made of Steel. Mm-hmm. I, I think it goes hand in hand with this whole thing about commitment and intentionality. But then again, the the question I have to ask is, you know, are, are you still committing to something that you don't want to at this point as well? And, and you know, you don't have to divulge all of this information here because that's sort of <laughs> personal as well, but it's, it does tie in with the topic. 
Emily bears all. Yeah. Headlines. <laughs> and everybody judges her. <laughs> everybody judges her. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of my own interesting struggle with the idea of commitment because I don't mind quitting things. I really don't. And it, it's more of like the whole package. At, at this point, I have committed listeners. I have a co-host that I really, really enjoy talking with every week. And she always makes talking about the show more fun. Because she's know? cool. So like, because she's cool. And <laughs> so even if I really don't like the episode, I always have fun talking with her on the other side of it. And this comes, this is more of where the crisis of conscious com- comes from, where I'm committing myself every week to sit down and watch a show that I do not like. <laughs> and That's a and lot. not just, not just watch it once, but maybe twice. And then on top of that, come up with constructive things to talk about. Because if I, if I needed to, I could sit and dissect every episode and tell you like all of the writing flaws, you know, and say, this is, these are all the things that I, I didn't like about the show without ever once men- mentioning anything that I did like about it. That's where I am right now with that show, <laughs> which is not a good place to be. In. Sure. I fully, I fully acknowledge that. To your point about commitment, it's such a struggle because I, I have this side of me that, that knows like I'm not just here talking about the show. You know, I'm, I'm engaging with people who, who want to have a platform to talk about this, this medium. And so there are several layers in my head that I'm just, I try to sort through before I say, yes, I'm done or yes, I'm committed. And, and right now I'm kind of at that, that level of I'm, I'm only here because I've, I've committed to it. Yeah. And that's dangerous for anybody. Right. Yeah. But I understand why. I mean, similar story with, with what I did with Aero Squad. loved the community, loved hanging out with you and Kevin. Oh my gosh. I mean, I miss that. It's so funny. Like I was, I know somebody was bringing, it was actually flash bringing up some stuff on arrow squad. I'm like, you know, I, I hate that. It's not like the good old days, but I do. I miss watching arrow when it was like, Oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing ever. I can't wait to talk about it. And then I got to hang out with you and Kevin. Mm-hmm. And then we got to hang out with our listeners in that community. And it was so amazing. But then you left and then Kevin left and Oh, I love the flash and the chameleon. And I liked hanging out with them too, but the show changed mm-hmm. and it was just, and granted it's so much better now. I mean so much, they, they really picked it back up and you know, I could talk about it again now, but at the time that I left, I could not watch it anymore. And what I discovered is that I was actually bringing down the whole podcast because I was just being so negative all the time. And that's, so I, I totally understand where you're at and it is a very tough decision because on one hand you're saying, I don't want to commit to watching this show or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Right. But mm-hmm. I do want to commit to this co-host and to this community of people that I love, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, ah, crap. So I think there are situations like that even that we run into. I think a lot of times we commit to things we don't want to commit to and have no business committing to in the first place. And then we just kind of back out. That's bad. But then we do commit to things that start off good and then change. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, I think it's the recurring commitments that I, I have the hardest time with. Because it's hard to project and know what your life is going to be like in a year or two. What do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> yeah. Because for TV shows that you know get 23 episodes a year, you know, that's 23 weeks of your life that you're spending one hour watching the show, maybe two, almost two hours podcasting about it, which should not, it should not be that long, but it is. And then more time promoting the show and, you know, writing any accompanying blog posts for it. And production. And so that's and, like, yeah. 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 And that's like five hours of my life now or every week only committed to this one TV show that I don't like. I've done a lot of reflecting on this over the last couple months, but podcasting about TV shows is a saturated industry right now. I mean, there are just go on to iTunes and look up Supergirl <laughs> podcast and you'll find like 25 I mean, it's not like we're the only one. <laughs> but you were one of three when we when it started, or one right, of two. One even. of three. Uh, it might have been. It might have been. I think it was three. Okay. I think there were three because there's. You always have that that BuzzFeed one, or oh, yeah. I can't remember what it is. And then the after, after, after Buzz. Buzz, right after Buzz. Thank yeah. you. You know, I always like to ask, what's the solution? You know, or what's our our response to this? What's the healthy way of moving forward? I think to come into anything and say, you know, I'm committing my entire life to this. Right. Uh, you know, for most things, that's unrealistic. For some things, that may be very realistic and necessary. But for you know, for most things, that that's that's a lot. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's less. I think about 
a commitment and it's more about that intentionality. It goes back to what you were saying, Carl, about respecting, you know? So it's like, if I'm going to say, I'm going to show up to this meeting or this interview, then you need to be there. And if you're going to be late, then you call. Oh my gosh, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry, you know, and, and really be genuine about it, you know, and make it up to them, do whatever you can. But then I think there's the, you know, even in the podcasting world, you come in and say, okay, we're going to talk about this new TV show. This TV show may suck in a year, in which case we reserve the right to stop podcasting about it. You know, right. we, th- we reserve the right to reevaluate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at each juncture. And I think that's absolutely fair to say, because if it's up front and saying, you know, like we'd love that's to stick really, around really good perspective. Yeah. We are not in control of the content. If they yep. suck at writing in two years, we don't need to promote them anymore. We don't need to talk about them anymore. So I think there's something fair to be said about they're in control of their content and we're just in along for the ride and you know, whatever. However, you know, like on a show like the real Brian show, I'm in control of the content for the most part. Mm-hmm. And if I start to suck at it, that's my own fault. <laughs> you know what I mean, so it's like I did this with profit cast. We went two years. I started to say the same thing. I started mm-hmm. to hear the same thing from the people I interviewed. It came to a point where I'm like, I don't think there's anything new to share. I don't think that I would do anyone any more value by continuing the show. And so I ended it. Some people were like, oh my gosh, Brian pod faded. No, I ended the show intentionally, which goes back to the intentionality. I mean, friendships, right? Friendships come and go. Even though you wish some would stick around for a long time. I even think in community, it's like, okay, let's be intentional with what we have right now. Yeah. And if that grows and continues to grow, we're going to continue to be intentional. And it's so funny because I hear this a lot. I'm an extrovert. I love spending time with people. And people are like, well, I can't devote X amount of hours to you. I'm like, did I ever ask you for that? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, it's not about the hours. It's about the intentionality of the relationship. If you're backing out on me all the time, then I can tell that it's not a priority. And I see that more in groups, you know, not necessarily with like personal friendships, but you know, you get a group of guys together and they're all hanging out and doing stuff. And half the time people back out because, you know, they got other things to do. This group is not a priority to them. Then it's okay to step away. Be intentional one way or the other. That's kind of my whole thought, hope for this whole thing. I like that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. Uh, I'm enjoying this conversation. Just don't hire <laughs> <hire> me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. it's fun. There are some things that people just don't talk about. I don't know. There's this like perceived taboo about about talking about those things where there's this line where I don't want to offend the people that I'm, I, I want to put it in quotes, but serving, you know, so like I'm podcasting with someone and I'm podcasting for people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to offend anyone by backing out. But at what point is it hurting me more than it's helping them? <laughs> there were some times like in this, in the last year where I'm like, I am so critical of this show. I bet you people are going to tell me to just shut up and leave the show. And then when it never happened, I'm like, okay, people must like it. People listen to political podcasts for a reason, right? They love hearing people clash and people get angry and passionate. And that's what that's what my mom says <laughs> about the way that I talk about Supergirl. Isn't that I'm, I, I try to be constructive in the way that I criticize, not being shy about what I didn't like, but but giving reasons for why I didn't like things because it's it's built on this foundation of if you're going to hand me a story and tell me that I need to absorb this, then it can't just like deflect off of the surface. It has to permeate in my mind for some reason. And when it doesn't do that, I need to understand why. And so I'm pulling it apart saying, this is why it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. So, but at what point is pulling it apart more destructive than not talking about it at all? Yeah. Well, so exactly. That goes back to, again, I love how it keeps circling back to the intentionality thing. It's so yeah. wonderful. But like if I'm in a, let's say I'm in a relationship, I'm being, and I'm talking about a friendship, right? I'm being intentional about a friendship and something happens in that friendship that is tension. And of course it's negative. Like you clash, you butt heads. You're like, this isn't right. This is bad. You have two choices. You can intentionally work it out or you can intentionally walk away. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there may be a time for either one of those things, right? Ideally you work it out because that's what people should do. But even going back to like with, with made of steel, right? You may be in a situation where watching this show that you're not enjoying right now fills you with things that make you upset and you have a chance to say, you know what, this makes me upset and it's doing me no good to watch this and I can't yeah. really do anything constructive with it. I need to intentionally walk away or some of that stuff may be like, this is my opportunity to speak up on something that is wrong or that is unhealthy or that bothers me or whatever. Like it may not even be something that's purely wrong only, right? It could be a multitude of things. 
that's mm-hmm. the political podcasts. You see these guys that are clashing over things because they're passionate about something that is either concerning something that is wrong, something, whatever, right? It's a negative scenario. So they clash over it to hopefully <laughs> that's the idea, right? Right. Hopefully they're trying to find a better solution, which is right. exactly and what we're trying to do here. There's an intrinsic value in, in actually talking toward a conclusion in that sense, yes, in in the political podcast, and even in the in the conversation we're having now. But when you're talking about something that is purely fictional, device or that a product of someone's imagination, there's no end game. There's no there's nothing you can do about it other than to tell someone why it didn't resonate with you. And so there's there's no intrinsic value True. in that other than providing some context for imagination. But but in political podcasts and in, in in podcasts that that discuss life events, you know, you're actually digging into what it is that makes this world tick and how to find common ground with other people. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't feel like I've ever reached that point with made of steel. And also it depends on who's listening. They may be like, man, thank you. This is like, I've never thought of it this way before, or that's a good point. Whether I agree with you or not, that's a good point, you know, or, or they may be like, dude, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Stop talking. In which case yeah. you're talking to the brick wall. Right. Bang head here. <laughs> I, I understand. Uh, this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, it, uh, see, and that's what I hope with this show is like, we sit here and we talk about this is like, this is so much fun. I'm getting so much out of it. We're trying to find a solution and hopefully people want to hear it and hopefully they're getting something out of it too. Cause if they're not, right. then well, you know, we're, we're having a great, you know what? We're changing the world and we're changing us. Yeah. And if nobody right. else and gets it, it, then the three of us got it. And that's, you know, that's huge. <laughs> and I can walk away from this conversation with you guys today and have valuable tools to exercise in other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. But when I when I leave a podcast, you know, I, I had a good time talking with Karen and I and I got a good book to read, but I I'm ultimately left with this this sense of like I just spent another week doing this. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really bad. That yeah. sounds terrible. But I I hope you understand like the the root of what I'm what I mean there isn't it's not that everything is worthless. It's just that I feel the effort that I'm putting into this is just dissipating instead of being absorbed into my life. Okay, CJ Thunder, you listen to this show. You love this show, but you also don't enjoy Supergirl that much. So the hosts keep me entertained more so than the show does. The show doesn't keep me entertained at all. It, I just love hearing the perspectives that come from the host, uh, what they liked or what didn't, or what they didn't like about the episodes. It's it's nice to hear grown ups talk about a show that acts very high schoolish, kind of <laughs> immature. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm not the only one that feels that way. So the show really helped me get through what I just watched and, and put in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel? If the podcast wasn't there, you wouldn't be watching it. I would have totally been done with Supergirl. I wouldn't watch that show at all. Huh. At so, this point, I'm only watching because of Made It Still. And just for instance, I would still listen to Made It Still. If they move Martian off of Supergirl, I'd get rid of Supergirl and just listen to Made It Still. <laughs> uh, Sometimes how, we don't even recap the show. So it's like, yeah, okay, I, kind I don't of care know. about the show. I care about made of steel. Okay. I, don't care about that I appreciate that yeah. a lot. See, that's fascinating to hear you guys talk about this because like, again, as a, as somebody who seeks these answers in life in general, you know, that kind of thing, like, that's just so weird. To, I mean, it's not weird, actually. It's really cool. But like, you know, you don't care about the actual root of the content because the content sucks, you know? Well, so, so I'm hearing anyway, right? I think it sucks, but that's me. <laughs> No, but, you're, you're, you're accurate. Yeah. It sucks. But then I, I, you know, you, you, Emily, you and Karen have created something that people love and they've connected to. They stick around and watch Supergirl. Well, I mean, not everybody, but you know, you Carl, Yeah. you know, because of you guys. And, and I think that's something that's very powerful beyond the show. That's why it's more of the, it's a community, you know, it goes right. yeah. on the show. it's just, you're, it's almost like friends are having a conversation, now, you know? But see, if right. you if you yeah, were to go exactly. do something else, Emily, if you were to say, forget it, I'm done with Made of Steel, I'm done watching Supergirl, but I'm not done with podcasting, I'm going to go create this new community over here, whatever, mm-hmm. then you're still effectively doing the same thing, Carl, that you like. It's just better content, right? Yes. Yeah. But that's yeah. interesting to know that, that there's at least an answer. There's a solution to situations like this where it's like, yeah. you know, you're committed to something that you don't want to be committed to because of the show, not because, you know, obviously we talked about this. But there's at least an option. It's like, well, the reasons I'm still committed can still work in a healthier scenario. 
Well, and Carl, you said something that I don't know if you realize this, but I hear this a lot from people that don't know they're saying this is they want to know they're not alone. And you wanted to know you weren't alone in your thoughts about the show. And I I hear that all the time. People are like, well, you know, it's so nice to know that I wasn't the only one, whatever that was. I have friends that like the DC shows as well. And I hear them. They're like, did you watch Supergirl last night? It was awesome. Like, did we even watch the same show? (laughs) Yeah. What was awesome about that episode last night? You yeah. know, what I mean? like so it's. I'm just thinking, like, what is? Is there something wrong with me? Like, is am I not understanding something? What What is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, totally. It's good to know that I'm not the only one out there that feels this way. Yeah, understood. Do we feel like the solution to all of this here is to consider our intentionality on things? I mean, yeah. are we on the same page with this, or is there something I'm missing? No, we're on the same page intentionality and being respectful, even when disrespectful means may mean hurting someone's feelings in the moment. But that's not being disrespectful. If you're going and saying, I can't commit to this and here's why you're not disrespecting them. You're actually respecting them by giving them the truth up front. Right. That's what I mean is like, you, you need to, you need to, well, not you need to, but we have this like implicit feeling that we're going, uh, our perception of other people in a moment you know, if they don't respond perfectly to us, we shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can't we can't be thinking about someone else's perception of our current uh, what we need to tell them. We need to tell them things in such a way where we're respecting them and being intentional in order to create the best outcome down the road. Yes. And you may be in but a yes. place too, which goes back to the heck yes or heck no. Some things are an automatic heck yes or heck no. Some things take a little bit of, you know, a little bit of time to figure out, is this a heck yes or a heck no? And I have to consider some different things here. And I think it's okay sometimes to say, I'm uncertain. Let me, you know, process through this a little bit more. Let me ask you some questions just so that, you know, I think that's a good thing too, to let people know, you know, because then they're not like counting on you or blowing you off entirely. Then it's kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. You know, let let me know if you have any questions, we could chat through this or whatever. And so much of that just comes from, an awareness and and maturity in the world, you know, just mm-hmm. knowing how your actions are going to affect other people. There are so many phrases that we could go down with oh, this conversation. And here's and the if irony. We aren't careful. <laughs> here's the irony. Probably everybody listening is like, well, duh. Hello. <laughs> Cause we've got smart <laughs> listeners. We do have smart listeners. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about justice league really quickly. Okay. I've seen it once and, and I'm going to let you guys one up me here. Miss Ice, how many times? <laughs> I've seen it twice. Okay, yeah. CJ Thunder? Four times. Wow. So apparently you guys liked it. I liked it. I, I want to see the actual cut of the movie, though, um, versus what they actually showed us. Yeah, the the edited or the extended version. The the version mi- uh, minus 30 minutes is what they showed us. <laughs> oh, jeez. They always do that. DC's president has this thing where the movie can't be longer than two hours. You have to hard <sighs> stop at two hours. Idiots. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Batman vs Superman was two and a half though without the extended cut, which is why they cut it on Justice League. Okay, so you need to make everything happen fast. We cannot have this time frame anymore of two and a half hours, mm. which yeah. is all. But interesting. Did you like it, Miss? I also enjoyed it. Two main reasons that I liked it. One was that it felt so much more like a DC animated movie. Mm. The the storyline yeah. did mm-hmm. so much tighter, so much more concise. They got to the point. Every single time something came up, but then they also threw in some humor that's that's more common in the animated shows than it is in the DC cinematic universe. Agree on that. The second was that we didn't need the extended cut in order to understand the storyline. Right. <laughs> Whereas yeah. like you you had to watch the extended cut of Batman vs Superman to understand the political aspect to the story. And this one yeah. was really tight and they used very colloquial terminology in order to you know convey like three become one and the unity of the mother box you know so like even if you're kind of just going oh my gosh this is so cheesy (laughs) it's at at the same time i mean this is this is comics right this this was a comic story and yeah maybe steppenwolf is kind of misrepresented in the film as it is in in comics throughout the years but yeah so those were the main two reasons that i liked it but i also just had fun you know yeah i it was visually dynamic and you know, I really hope that Henry Cavill and the CGI staff regret yes. their decision over his mustache for the rest of their lives. Jeez. But I all agree. of that aside, you know, if you, if you can just set it aside, 
it felt like an animated movie. It was yeah. great. <laughs> I know. Like the first scene, I'm like, what is wrong with Henry Cavill? Like I, is he like, is, is, did they get a different actor? Did he have like a stroke? I mean, what the heck is going on? He doesn't even look the same anymore. And then no. later and I'm like, they, is, is his mouth CGI? I'm like, what is going on here? And then I find out later that, yeah, for that other movie he did with the mustache, I'm like, dude, that's when you need to get a press. What do you call those? Like prosthetic mustache or whatever the heck they're called. Fake mustache over CGIing a mouth. Give me a break. It was horrible. It was yeah, terrible. It was yeah. yeah. There's, there's a potential that they'll fix it for the Blu-ray. Okay. If there's enough people complaining. So if you noticed it and you want to complain about it, complain about it because yeah. there's a great chance that they would fix it. But too late for the theater. Oh yeah. But I mean, I mean theater is long gone, but at least with the, the copy that's etched in stone. Sure. So to speak. Oh, okay. So I have a couple fun things that I noticed and, and I haven't even gone and like looked up any of the Easter eggs yet, but in, you know, when watching the movie, I, I had to say, first of all, Jimmy Olsen, the original Jimmy Olsen from the original Superman yes. was in yes. it. And I was like, yes, was yep. the composer, Danny Elfman did the original Batman from 1989. So you yep. heard that, that Batman theme that he did from the 1989 Batman, which was awesome as well as the original Superman theme at one point. Uh, oh, they made some references like the wind up toy penguin, <laughs> you know, to some of those, but Oh, so Jeff Johns was one of the, one of the writers or producers yep. or something, you know, so, so he writes for the flash. That's what I was going to um, talk about actually. So this is, this is the last movie under Zack Snyder. Um, oh, Jeff Johns came in on wonder woman and he tried to course correct justice league, which is why we got this version of it. And going forward, he's going to be attached to pretty much all the other projects oh, going forward. Good. In Good. place of Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's gone. He's not, wow. he's okay. not thing anymore. Well, that's amazing. For those of you who don't yeah. know Jeff Johns, Jeff Johns has written some of the Flash comics, but he's also, you know, highly responsible for the TV show, The Flash. So that's good to have him on board with this. But then also Joss Whedon was a part of it, too, which you could tell his humor was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. yeah. Well placed, appropriate and not overdone. Yes. Especially for how how much darker of a of a mood that this universe is placed in. So I have to say something here, and I know he's going to listen to this episode, but the Flash, <laughs> the Flash, Martin hated the Flash in this movie. Hated him. Are you kidding me? And I thought this was, was my fantastic. favorite version of the Flash ever. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I do, too. But here's why, though. Like, I love the Flash Barry Allen from the first two seasons of the Flash. The recent Barry Allen. Yeah. yeah. Getting tired of him. So, no, I, and maybe that's why. I liked him so much in the movie. Well, the Barry Allen from the flash on the CW is a victim of the CW. And yeah. just by being unattached to the CW altogether, this flash has a better, you know, better chance at being successful. Sure. <laughs> How sad I is mean, that? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so sad. I mean, most of the reasons that I didn't, I don't like Grant Gustin as Barry Allen have nothing to do with the material. And it most, mostly has to do with his delivery. But like this guy, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller, yeah. Ezra yeah. Miller, I was so skeptical just because like the only other movie I've seen him in is um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Him. Oh, yeah. Where all he all he has to do is look really angry for two and a half hours. It was really subtle. Everything was subtle and everything was he was clumsy. He had uh, <laughs> a really interesting backstory with his dad that didn't yeah. need yeah. to go into detail. Like they didn't have to give him an origin story in this movie. Yes. All they had to do was have that, that scene where they're divin up, digging up the grave. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got struck by lightning. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's the abridged version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. But that's all you needed. And, and yeah. that was like also what I liked about Spider-Man being introduced in civil war then like building off of that in mm -hmm. order to make Spider-Man homecoming. Yeah. Right. Which I think is why I liked that movie so much. It was like, you didn't stop doing the origin stories. We've seen this a thousand times, mm -hmm. you know, get to the good stuff. And that's kind of what they did. They, they skipped over the origin story and they just plopped him down. <laughs> like my, one of my favorite lines from him. I like that you guys are all ready to do battle, but, but I've never done battle before. <laughs> I've just, I've just pushed people out of the way and then ran off. That might be too spoilery. I, I think we've actually all seen that in previews. But. Yeah. My favorite line was Dostoevsky. <laughs> oh yeah. That was, <laughs> I, was like, no I mean, way. it was just, it was subtle yeah, and well placed and it wasn't constant and it wasn't every other line has to be a joke. It was, yeah was well done so i'll Did say you? this and this is not in response to to martin by the way like uh, you can defend your your why you hated the flash thing if you want but this is just in general 
I'm finding that people are saying, I don't want to see Justice League because, and they list off these reasons. And these reasons are almost word for word what I'm reading from critics who are just way too critical. And I'm like, okay, here's my challenge. Yeah. Are you actually going and informing your own opinion or are you just following what's popular? That's my challenge. Because people are like, I hated the Justice League or I don't want to see it. I don't like Batfleck. Bat, you know, uh, ben, Affleck. ben Affleck just sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. Go see yeah. the freaking movie first and then make your own judgment. Don't listen to all the other people. Don't let them. You know, don't be a pawn. Don't be a pawn. Be a leader. <sighs> it's been fun, guys. It's been so it's much been fun. fun. Thank you very sure. much. I really appreciate you both joining me today. Or, or no. So much fun. Thank you for letting me join you. Yeah, we it's it's actually us joining Carl, right? Yes. Thank See? you, CJ Thunder. That's why I like Emily. She she's awesome like that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, uh, you two. Well, you know, we'll have you back on again soon, I hope. Or, sounds good. Well, I mean, I guess the question is, is will you let me talk with you again? Let me check my schedule and I get back to you. Oh, he just pulled the schedule card on you. You know what the music means? Uh gotta go. Hey guys. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Guess you know who's in charge. Yes. Who controls the music, fools? All right, we'll go to Real Brian Show because you know Miss Ice writes all those amazing blog posts. And if it weren't for you, I'd, I'd be dead right Thanks. now. I don't even know what'd be happening. But all right, we'll see you next week. I don't know what's going on, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> this is a Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of Five Fourteen Media at Five Fourteen Media Empire dot com.